high school and college sports right here in central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1. We made it an entire year of podcasts, and thanks to Northwestern Mutual, I'm back for another. Thank you all for listening, and thanks to Northwestern Mutual for being the sponsor. We have the big awards show tonight on Thursday, the first annual Channel 1450 Awards at the Illinois State Fairgrounds at the Illinois Building. Doors open at 5, show starts at 6, we are excited to celebrate. We've been so busy with that, we don't have much else going on at the moment on the website. We'll have a couple interviews with Serena Bolden and Joe Crawl coming up. Other than that, it's summertime, so enjoy some time off. We'll be back out in Plains for volleyball next Tuesday after the holiday. Enjoy the 4th of July. This week's guest is a guy who I consider one of my very good friends, Chase Sr. Let's jump in. All right, it's time for season two or year two, whatever you want to call it, episode one. And when I started this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing, and I still don't really know what I'm doing, but uh, this is season two officially. Episode one last year, I had Zach Kirker on to talk about Channel 1450 and kind of how it was started, and I figured that was the best way to start the whole podcast on Channel 1450. I think this year, the best way to start is with Chase Sr., because he's my guy. My uh, When it comes to Channel 1450, um, people know Zach and Brian. But I think second to that is probably me and Chase when it came to um, what was next for Channel 1450. So uh, I, I stole some of Chase's time. I appreciate it. We just poured a couple drinks, so we're going to have some talks. But um, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Good to talk to you. Dude, it's awesome to connect with you and think about all the memories that we had, both as friends as well as coworkers, and just all the incredible people that you and I had in opportunity to interact with while I was there for two years. It's a very special area with very special communities and very special people. And because of that, I've always held Channel 1450 in that area really close to my heart. It's where I got my start for my career that I dreamt about since I was five years old. I've always wanted to be in the sports broadcasting industry and to be able to have such an incredible first job with great leadership great friendships, great memories, and just the professional tie-in to it. Man, it's so good to be able to reflect on everything that went down this two years. If you want to talk about how good of a guy Chase is and how good of a friend we became, uh, I, I thought of it last weekend when you said you went home for a wedding because you came back for my wedding and... You had to go to some extreme circumstances to do so. Uh, let's let's walk the people through that story real quick because I mean that was four years four years ago and a month ago t- this week. So not that long ago it seems like, but dude, time flies, and that was just a, an incredible weekend. Yeah. So May of twenty seventeen, right? Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. I, get, so, I better get that right, otherwise Aaron will be real pissed. Yeah. No, no, that's right because. <laughs> I left 1450 in the fall of 2017 Mm -hmm. and back that following spring for your wedding. So the story behind that is actually pretty hilarious and it's pure amateur traveler (laughs) by yourself. Uh, So I was working in Scranton at the time after I left Springfield in 1450 and I wasn't going to miss your wedding. There's just no way I was going to miss your wedding because of how much I care about you, Aaron, your family, and just the friendships that I have with you guys and everybody else. So I'm in Scranton, which is in northeastern Pennsylvania. If you're looking at PA like a rectangle, it's the top right corner. And what my plan was was to get a flight affordably out of Newark 
and that's in New Jersey, and then fly into St. Louis, and then vice versa, come back home, because it's not too far of a drive, and it's pretty affordable. Day of my flight, I pull up my itinerary, and it says, departing St. Louis and arriving in Newark, instead of departing Newark and (laughs) arriving in St. Louis. So I tried to change my flight, but it was thousands of dollars to do so. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do it financially. I'm broke, but I'm not missing this wedding. So I got in my car, I packed my bags, and I drove out to Illinois, which was about 14 straight hours. I think at one of those rest stops on the side of the road, I may have gotten a power nap for a half hour, (laughs) hour. And then I don't know why I didn't try to stay with anybody when I came back into town. That's what I should have done. But I didn't want to, like, bother anybody. So I got this cheap hotel right by kind of like by Springfield High School and SHG uh, by like the Capitol building as well like in that so right by where you used to live like yeah I live right by the state Capitol yeah so that was just the area you were familiar with yeah my apartment overlooked the Springfield practice football field so occasionally I'd go out there and watching practices soccer and football and stuff because I knew all the athletes playing I'm like oh okay like yeah we did that we did that cool interview with Kelby Phillips where it like overlooked the fields because you know just as something yeah. cool to do yeah you able to pop over and talk to Roy Gully real quick but um yeah so I get this really cheap hotel in Springfield I'm like all right it can't be that bad it's one of the hotels that you just don't go to and it's not desirable <laughs> at all they allowed cigarette smoking so the room just <laughs> of cigs. but i think it was like honestly twenty dollars a night oh dude so yeah i get there and i go for a run around the capitol building because that's what i used to do um to, to start losing weight fresh out of college because i was a little pudgy so i went for another run to relive some memories and then went to your wedding and it was an incredible time and then i drove back and this was Memorial Day weekend, and I'm working in, like, the local news and sports, uh, local television industry, and I had to go to a Memorial Day parade that morning. Oh, dude. Way back from Springfield. And it was rough, but it was all worth it, dude. It was all worth it. We we greatly appreciate you coming. It was awesome to have you in town. And, uh, yeah, dude, like you said, you just became a part of the family, like, whether it was um us going to county fairs or whatever we just knew that you were going to be in the car with with me and dawson and david when he was back man that's just that's just how it was yeah and it was so funny when i first moved there i honestly didn't research where i was going i was like okay state capital of illinois it's going to be close to chicago (laughs) and i knew the sports were going to be badass which they were great level of competition and just awesome stories to cover and I then drive to Springfield, and I remember saying to you as we're going to Plains for a pigskin preview, I was like, so wait, are we like right in the middle of the Midwest? Like, is this like the country? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's let's do it. Let's ride. I was like, yeah, dude, we're going to go to concert in the cornfield here in a week, so get yourself ready. And then we went to that Jacksonville uh, concert in the cornfield, I think it was, and you were like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is a little, a little different. But hey, by the end by the end of your tenure here, I had you going to Eric Church concerts in St. Louis, and you had an awesome time. Dude, I had an incredible time, and I grew up, you know, classic rock, blues, really any music genre. I was a huge rap fan, uh, you know, my teens and early twenties, and I I pretty much liked every type of music except for country and screamo. Yeah. 
going to Springfield and, you know, that in that entire area for what it's worth. And <laughs> just being in the Midwest, I got I got, you know, a little a little hick swagger to me and I absolutely love those country concerts and I've grown to like country music and did by the time I left there because, you know, it's real chill music. Um, the vibes are immaculate. You're drinking beers. You're hanging out. You're outside with some great friends, just kicking it to nice and easy music. And I was like, "This is my vibe. I love it." Sundresses, shorts. A crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy bear stories that we won't have to get into. Oh, dude, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think we can kind of steer it a different way. But uh, the, talking about country music leads me into the question I have for you. Now that you live in Texas, man, you got a cowboy hat yet or what? Like, what's the deal? I do have a cowboy hat. All right. I have a cowboy hat, but I have not mustered up the $600 <laughs> to buy cowboy boots. Because right. if I'm getting cowboy boots, which I will at some point, because I'm going to get a pair that's like, you know, casual, but I can wear it with like maybe a suit jacket or something. Yeah. I, w- I want to go big and get some nice cowboy boots, but I just am not going to budget 600 bones for it just yet. But soon. Soon. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, uh, you're with Chat Sports now, based out of Dallas. Um, just a quick rundown of kind of how that came about and and how that's developed over the last. What are you? You've been there a year, over a year now. Yeah, year and change. So when I was at Temple, I did everything to like get myself ready for broadcasting. I did sports talk radio. I anchored on the television, reported on the TV, wrote for the school paper, worked for the regional sports network as an intern, and then interned at another one of the sports talk radio stations and basically did everything at Temple. So traditionally, a lot of people who are trying to get into the TV, radio, media business, and obviously the media business has grown over time, like usually they would go to a local news station in middle of nowhere south dakota or wyoming to get their start and they would be on local tv for me i was like okay it's 2015 i see that everything is growing digitally in a huge way youtube is booming twitter was really picking up steam at the time instagram was coming up in terms of just video platforms and digital content and i saw what 1450 was doing and I was like, okay, this is edgy, this is creative, this is cool. I'm all about that. That's what I want to do because I kind of thrive on creativity and just having like free-flowing conversations and not being so stand-up like the news, right? And we had more flexibility with the content that we could do at 1450 that could tap into all that. And the other part that intrigued me was we were on Sports Radio 1450. And we had an opportunity to do podcasts and a couple radio shows per week. And then on the mix, I was like the sports anchor and I did sports updates every night. Just would record them at my house on a USB microphone and send it in to Bonzi. And that first job like gave me everything that I wanted to do on air in terms of being on camera, on the radio, writing a little bit and doing like a whole bunch of facets and I knew where the digital industry was going. Funny enough, I left 1450 to get into local television and left my true passion sports full time to do news and sports. Kind of like, I'd say 70-30 news to sports. But the station that I was going to is one of the most watched local news stations in the entire country. 
and I had an opportunity to cover, you know, minor league baseball, minor league hockey, Penn State football. I became like kind of one of the reporters for that. I got to launch my own podcast, which was awesome and allowed me to focus on the sports uh, area, which is like what I've always dreamed of doing and getting into. I was just doing way too much local news and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hate I hated the the rigidness of local television. I hated the restrictions. I hated the everyday negativity of chasing, you know, what what bleeds leads, meaning if there's a big crime story, like that's the main focus. There was one time I had an interview set up at Yingling Brewery with Aaron Nola, starting pitcher for the Phillies, coming off a year in which he was like top three in Cy Young voting, and I was about to interview him, and I had to leave to cover, you know, two dead bodies at a house, and I absolutely hated that. Plus, it compounded when COVID hit, and all we were doing were COVID stories, and, you know, yeah. all of all of these protests, and it was awful. And I said, you know what, I have to get out of here. I have to get back to my passion. And oddly enough, after going digital my first job, I go digital again after local television, and I absolutely love what I do. I'm in Dallas, Texas. It's incredible. Um, my, my coworkers are the best. I love the company that I work for. I get to cover the NFL and the NBA full-time. Um, you know, I'm not sure when this is going out, but tomorrow I'll be live for several hours covering the NBA draft after scouting NBA draft prospects. And I cover the NFL and the 49ers, and I get to chop it up and talk about my Philly squads as well on a platform that reaches you know millions of people every month all across the world and i'm covering pro sports which at the end of the day is everything that i've wanted to do you know that and here it's like a hybrid between having your own sports talk radio talk show but it's like a i'm on air on camera as well and i get to insert all my opinions and uh, basically come up with my shows every single day i script every every single show that i do pretty much and uh getting back to this reminds me of 1450 and just having the passion and, and loving what i'm doing and being around some really cool and creative people and i think that's why me and you bonded because you and me are honestly two of the hardest workers i've ever known and we were just in the dungeon of innovation as we call it at, at 1450 with kirker and man we had a special three people down there who just worked extremely hard and i think turned out an excellent product i want to get to that i want to get to more of that because that was going to be kind of what i led into but i have one follow-up for you kind of just about um the journey from 1450 to Scranton and then to uh, Chat Sports. Um, when you were deciding whether to leave or not, Channel 1450, I mean, the conversations were there with Kirker about, you know, dude, you're probably going to hate going to TV if that's the option because of the structure and, like you said, just the way that it is. But you at the time also knew that you needed that part of that part of things on your resume in order to advance to a higher level that you wanted to. So. How hard was it to kind of say, you know, I knew this was coming, but at the same time, I needed to do this as the next step? Kirker was spot on, and he knew what he was talking about because he came from a situation at Channel 20 that I think was probably pretty similar for him, and, and he had some of the same issues that I ran into in local television. But as great as 1450 was... Every time I would send my like resume tape out to different companies or different, you know, media professionals across the business, they always said, you know, I want you on camera more. You got to be on camera more. You got to prove that, you know, you can be a a an on-camera presence to really start making it in this business because a lot of what we were doing was just like voiceovers on highlights and occasional, you know, fun pieces and stand-ups. Yeah. Or die bowl and and stuff like that. So 
it was certainly a risk and it was a risk that ultimately paid off for me because I'm where I am where I am before age 30 now I'm 30 I absolutely hated local television but I was able to do some incredible things on a platform that allowed me to grow and then like personally my mom passed away during that time period which made hating my job even worse but like those tough years kind of shaped me into the person that I am today and that's why I am who I am and you know, I have driving forces and motivations every single day. So at the end of the day, it was worth it, that experience, um, because it got me to where I'm at. And then the future is bright, in my opinion, for, you know, the trajectory that I'm on. I'm very confident in myself. For sure. Um, so let's get to it. Like the like you said, when you got here, you were fresh out of school looking to, to start your career. Um, I think... That when when Bose left and I got hired on in the same week, Kirker was scared to death because not only had he built something that was just now making money after he grinded for about five years to do it, um, but he also didn't know what the future looked like. To bring in two guys who hadn't done what they had done, when they got so comfortable for four years, he was scared to death. Um yeah. And, and rightfully so, because we had no idea what we were doing by any means. Um, but I think a lot of people ask us, you know, like, what, what, what's the next step for Channel 1450? And I think I don't have a good answer because at the time, we didn't know what that answer was. Um, because when we came in, I think we took it to another level. And then when Kirker left and I brought in Justin and Jared, it was – we took it to the next level because the three of us literally covered everything we possibly could – Every single night, and then it got to the point where, after such so many repetitions, the quality eventually got there. The quality was there when Kirker and Bose were there. There's no question about that, and that's what the reputation was. For us, for me and you, I think it was, and I want you to speak to this too, it was you and I are both very competitive people, and we both wanted to do the best we could possibly do. And while we built a friendship we also built that competitiveness on our business of, dude, I'm going to try to outwork you the best I can. Yeah, dude, there's no doubt about it. And, like, that kept us going. If you think about it, the amount of content that you guys now at 1450 churn out and the amount of content that we churned out when I was there for as little as the staff is is absolutely incredible. And the fact that, you know, a year or two into me being there, we were able to set a record almost every single month, and then year over year, we were setting re records as well. And I remember like a huge milestone reaching more than a million views for a, a school year, which isn't even a calendar year. Think about that. Yeah. Now that I've gone other places on larger platforms and bigger places, and now that I work digitally, which you know relates exactly to what you guys are doing digitally a million views for a for an area like that per school year not even calendar year is absolutely incredible it's incredible when i see the youtube analytics that i have access to now in my job because my whole livelihood is based on this analytics yeah. and so what it takes to get to that point is special people who work hard are willing to grind and put in long and crazy hours and that's what we did we worked six seven days a week sometimes and i think the fact that we were all competitive and kirker set the standard and then you set the standard now as the lead man look if you're here you got to grind you got to hustle 
the work is going to be demanding, but holy shit, is it worth it? And is it incredible to be able to do what we do and what you do and tell these stories that we were able to tell? And that's like one of the biggest professional takeaways from my time there. It's all the incredible stories and then all the incredible relationships. And, you know, you speak to the competitiveness, like these relationships go to me playing pickup basketball with a bunch of Springfield OGs and then thinking that, you know, I'm some white dude from the Philly area who has no game and then I ball out, start popping triples. And they're like, I'm okay. Like that competitive desire, that's what I had on the court with playing pickup with people. And that's what I had, you know, working alongside you. But that's what it takes to reach high levels of success and gain profit in this industry. You know, the, the, the hours are demanding. And when you're on a breaking news sports schedule, it never stops except for the summer. But the summer, we're still working that amount of money. Now, dude, people are committing. People are. Do- yeah. I mean, dude, it never yeah. stops. Yeah. You have to love the grind, and you and I love the grind, and I still love the grind, and you still love the grind. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, when I was going through some issues at the television station, like, we did talk about me potentially coming back to just get out of my current situation, and I certainly thought about it, but, you know, financially, it probably just didn't make sense. That's a big move, and, and you know, I knew at some point I was going to try to leave anyway, so we didn't end up, you know doing that and i didn't end up moving back but uh i mean that's why our personal relationship and professional relationship is what it is because you know you got my back like a brother and you offered you know you were checking in to see if i wanted to come back and i would have loved working alongside you but man you're you're a warrior i love it <laughs> dude the i mean and it never got to the point where like we disagreed about too much when it came to covering stuff because we were just like hey let's try it if it doesn't work it doesn't work um, and, and, you know, we never said no, we never said, Hey, let's not do that. I, I'm too tired or whatever, because, and I, and I kind of want to like, I don't know, in a f- informal way, apologize to Jared about this because I feel like we could have had the same relationship if, you know, the, the point in our lives was different. Like the point in my life was perfect because Aaron and I were just getting into a relationship where. I could spend all night at the bar with you and it didn't matter. Like once, once Jared got here, I was already married. Like I was getting ready to have Parker. And so spending six hours at Spammy's after we worked a 15 hour day just wasn't in the cards anymore. When, when Jared came here, when we did that, dude, it didn't matter. And it worked out perfectly because Aaron would, would get off at 3 AM and come pick us up from Spammy's and drive us home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And and, and sometimes it was 3 AM. And sometimes there were all-nighters pulled where I was getting back to my house and the birds were chirping. And if the birds are chirping in the morning, that means that you made it through the night. And there were a couple of those nights out at Spammy's and other places as well. But it's also speaking to, like, dude, we would work 12-hour days doing that, like covering whatever, and then go go grab some beers, do some Spammy shots, play some shuffleboard. And then, dude, the creative juices just started flowing. And I think that that was a huge part of, you know, how we built stuff was, hey, let's let's because what else are we going to talk about while we're there? Everybody comes up to us because they know we know most things about high school sports. So it's like, hey, what's going on with this? What can we do with this? And it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Why don't we try to do that? Like, dude, it just like that's the the, the brainstorming kind of definitely sparked there for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, we had a bunch of conversations about content ideas and strategy and analytics and what we can do to improve in certain areas. And, 
I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm the type of person when you when you take a couple shots and you have some beers, sometimes that's when the creative juices get flowing even more. Yeah. And it was our advantage, so I have no regrets about that. Dude, looking back on it now, and uh, I kind of talked about this with Jared, his opportunity to cover um, Reed Detmers at the at the College World Series was a was yeah. a great opportunity for him to kind of get that resume type real um, for you. Uh, Ryan Held was the, kind of that opportunity, um, but dude, how cool was it watching the NBA Finals this year with Jason Tatum, dude? You you got to see him play in high school. Like how how dope was that? Like talk about a name dr- name drop on Chat Sports. Like hey, what's up? I covered this kid at the Highland Shootout or whatever it was. It was the Highland Shootout. Um, so a couple things like you know me growing up outside the Philadelphia area. It's such a pro sports town where people don't take like high school sports seriously. It's just the nature of it. Yeah. Or to do in an outside the Philadelphia area where, you know, high school games aren't really a focus. So to see some of these high school tournaments, the holiday tournaments, I was just talking about this today. One of my coworkers, uh, Patrick Seatman, he went to a high school in northern Illinois, and he lost the state championship to Prairie Ridge, the same team that beat SHG. Yeah. And I on him today, that was like the Tremaine Lee, Tim Brenheisen, Al- Albert Oakwavenom squad. Yeah. Uh, Alberto, another name drop. Boom, the way. there we go. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Let's ride, you know? Yes, no. let's go. <laughs> Broncos country. <laughs> um, I think he's due for a breakout season, by the way. Dude, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I think he's going to ball out. Uh, I really do with Russ. But anyway, going back to what I was talking to my coworker now, who's ironically like from the area, I was just talking to him about like Io DeSumo too in the state state semifinal against Lanfear. Yeah. But I was telling him it's so cool how Illinois one the communities take high school sports so seriously, making the atmosphere incredible because the level of competition is insane. So I was telling him it's so cool how this there's these holiday tournaments that you get a great level of competition. This is a shout out to all the coaches in central Illinois. You guys are incredible high school coaches in terms of just the minds and X's and O's strategy, team building culture. Yeah. And, and the, just the high level games that you can see, but also like the intensity of Waverly to the intensity of Highland shootout. Yeah. With I, in one day, dude, Xavier Bishop, kicked it off against with Lanfear. Zay was there for the opening game that I went to. Xavier Sneed was... Oh, this is it. Xavier Sneed played Zay. Yeah. If you know, like, Xavier Sneed at Kansas State on a couple of those NCAA tournament runs is one of their best players. Like, he, he I think he's playing pro ball now. I don't think he quite made it in the NBA, but he was excellent. So Zay, Xavier Sneed, the, both of the Porter Twins... Michael Porter, if it wasn't for the back injury, could have been the number one pick yeah. in the draft after he went to Mizzou. Oh, yeah. And the nightcap was Jason Tatum. That's in one day of covering <laughs> basketball at a small arena with a great atmosphere with two levels of fans and everybody's on top of the floor. And the intensity there was incredible. And I'm like watching the NBA Finals, and it's one of my stories that I can tell when I'm covering the NBA. I was like, I remember Jason Tatum at Chaminade. You know what's cool? That's the same school as Bradley Beal. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, you know, so that day was awesome. And then seeing, you know, uh, Will Putnam have the success that he's having at Clemson. Um, Nick Nick Broker at Ole Miss. I still talk to him. I, yeah. I hung out with him in Dallas back a couple months ago. Albert O. 
I think, um, you know, there are some others that have a chance. I mean, Reed Detmers, we covered him. Yeah. It's so cool to be able to say that you covered all these people and, like, knew them well, and I consider them friends because they're all great people. Yeah, and we didn't even touch on Malik Turner, who you'll probably be covering a lot this year. Uh, so he was he was a little bit before me. I missed him. Okay. So I didn't him, but I, I do know about the Malik, Malik, Malik chance. <laughs> <laughs> games. Yeah, dude, just, just seeing him not only on the football field, but uh, – Playing for Blake Lucas um, on the basketball court, dude. Like he he locked up he locked up Peyton Allen that night that Roy Williams was in town in Chatham. Yeah. Like just, I mean, in terms of name dropping, there, there you go. Like dude, dude was an incredible athlete. And then to get the opportunity that he's had to go undrafted and still just just grind away, find his way last year with the Cowboys, and now hopefully he gets a, a good chance with the 49ers. Because I mean, like he said, this is year five of him playing pro. Like. Not a lot of people can say they played professional f- football for five years, dude. That's that's no, dude. special. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like from an NFL like film evaluating game evaluating perspective, I actually think that every time I've seen Malik Turner play and get snaps, which he hasn't gotten a ton of snaps, but when he's played, I'm like, dude, he's an NFL wide receiver. Like he can stay, he can earn a role on a team, he can play special teams as well. I think he's going to be in the battle. I cover the Niners now. He's going to be you know, battling for, like, that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot. He's going to be right on the bubble. He might have an edge because he plays special teams, but I want to see him get a legit shot, dude, because yeah. he's legit. Now, again, I didn't get to see him, Peyton Allen. I was right after those guys. I was there 15 to 17, and, you know, I know I mentioned, like, a bunch of high-level college and pro guys, but, like, you know, no disrespect to everybody else because, like, I have so much respect for the high level of competition, whether it be low level one A all the way up to five A that I saw in Springfield, it was special. Man. Yeah, and you talk about dude, like yeah, we can name drop and sit here and talk about all those dudes, but it's also dude for high school sports, it means so much to people like from Auburn, you know, that that played baseball or won a regional or did whatever. Like people on those teams still talk about that, even though like obviously they're in a different profession now. They're they're out in the fields farming, doing whatever, but like. Dude, like they'll tell those stories forever and be able to show the videos forever. Like, um, you dude, where you were here when Tristan Weaver did what he did and he balled uh, out last year at Cincinnati. Like that, that yeah. dude, he's gonna get a legit shot in a couple years for sure. Yeah, and, and like you talk about Auburn. First of all, their two A title run, finishing second, was incredible. With Dave and Drew Points, I still talk to Points to this day. Yeah, he's he's the man. Shout out to DP, but <laughs> like. That, Fun and them going to the, you know, the title game out of nowhere was incredible. The impactful nature of like our storytelling in a community like that, and then shoot the neighboring town, North Mac. Um, I became like the face of North Mac for a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious because you know it's a little bit of a tough, rugged town, and that's kind of my identity to a certain degree. And I just like clashed with those people and the underdog mentality. Yes, and a couple of runs that they had to. The state semi against Carrollton and the year before when they were actually even better, I thought. That was awesome yeah. to, to be a pastor of the community like that. And then as big as, you know, the SHGs and the Rochesters. Yeah, you talked about North Mac, and um, I I actually am going to have Asa on here in a couple of weeks just to talk about, you know, not only, you know, those runs with North Mac, but also 
I feel like it's important. To, like, yeah, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of athletes who made it in college or who did great things. Um, but it's also important to share the stories of what they wish they would have done because that's definitely a story of a kid who had the D1 talent and just didn't find the right situation. And it was tough. But, dude, it's great to, it's great to have a conversation with him about that because so many kids around here will only get one shot. And if they blow that shot or if something doesn't go right or they get injured or whatever, that's it. Like, dude, it's it's tough. But those conversations for people like that are awesome to have. It's incredible, man. And, like, I think back to where I was. I was fresh out of college, man. I was young, dude. I I was a young right out of college. I moved to a town that I didn't even research, as I said earlier. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't have anybody I knew, any friends that were there before I moved. And I was also young at the time. So I think that's why I was able to, like, develop relationships with the athletes. Yeah. Because... I think they got the the vibe that I was just, you know, a cool dude trying to do my job. I was pretty good at what I was doing at that time for where I was in my career. And I was young, and I I was able to connect with a lot of these people and just have really great conversations. But I could also see myself and some of the athletes, and I could see, okay, you know, there were a couple of instances in which, in my life, I messed up. You know, when I was in high school, I was a really good athlete, but I didn't really try to do anything. I could have played maybe D2, D3 baseball. I did fray a labrum in my throwing shoulder. I was a pretty good pitcher, but I could have at least done a little bit more to try to play college athletics. Now, I wanted to get into broadcasting, and that's what I ultimately chose, and I went to a great school in Temple that's one of the best for that, but I saw myself in these guys, and when they were messing up, or when they were struggling or fooling around and not putting in the necessary work to tap into their greatness and potential like sometimes i would have that personal conversation with them i'd be like yo you got this opportunity at hand don't blow it you have an opportunity to get a free scholarship to play football baseball basketball whatever i mean even the volleyball there is insane level of talent soccer great You, you get an opportunity to go even to a d2 d3 school and play college athletics don't piss that opportunity away this can shape you and change your life and lead you in the right direction and allow you to go through you know mental and physical adversity but also deal and develop all these relationships like take advantage of it and some people took that advice because i felt comfortable talking to them because there wasn't a big age gap there and some of them didn't and i'm sure now like everybody has those types of stories but i think that's why i was able to connect with so many of those athletes and it was just like our coverage lended itself to us me, you, Kirk, are just having personal relationships with coaches and with players. I mean, yeah. I have, I still, I still keep in touch with many coaches in the area um, because we also have those, you know, great personal conversations. Yeah, that's kind of what I what I talked about too. Um, you know, when we were talking about, or when I was thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about and um, le- leading into it, like I realized, like anybody we cover now in high school. You probably don't know their names because you—that's—that's that's how long it's been. Um, I have no idea. But yeah. but like you talk about with the coaches, dude, um, and in the past few years, you know, getting the opportunity to see Aaron Coons win a state title, getting the opportunity to see Jim Steinwart win a state title after you watched him not quite get there in sixteen. Um, yeah. I mean, the past few years we've been extremely lucky with with the st- with having state champions and having people make incredible runs that I don't feel like I, I just feel like it's getting better and better. You talked about volleyball. Like dude, we we had a 
we've had multiple teams make it to state in volleyball when that wasn't even close to the case when when we first started. Um, but dude, like SHG winning this year in basketball, um, Springfield winning in baseball last year, Coon, like I said, Coons, like it's got to be cool to to kind of just check in casually and see when they have that success. And like you said, you still have that relationship with those guys. Dude, it's incredible. I mean. I remember when Coons won a state title, I texted him right away. I was listening to the game on my computer on 1450. Just wild, because dude. What a game. I couldn't miss, I couldn't miss it. And I, I've done that from time to time. I, I tune into the games on 1450 still. So Coons winning a state title, amazing. Still talk to him. I think Seth is super talented. Oh, dude. Yeah. He had incredible, incredible potential and drive, but... When I came back for your wedding that Friday night, I went I went to Coons's house, had an incredible time. So I still talk to him, I still talk to Nick Beard, and he's had incredible success on on the basketball floor. I'd still check in with Derek Leonard from time to time. I texted Jim Steinbord after they won the state title because they were so close, like you said, in 2016. I remember I texted you this past year, and I was like. Derek, SHG is this good at hoops? No. I know that with Blake, they got close and they were really competitive, but when I was there, you had you had Southeast go to a state championship tournament. Yep. You had your go to a state title tournament, and both of those teams were running the town, and Springfield, they were just an influx at that moment because of all of the coaching yeah. changes and crazy stuff that was going on there. So to see, and SHU was bad. They were just bad. Yeah. And and it was just, you know, they didn't have talent. That's all it was. And sometimes talent comes in waves with these age groups that come up. I totally understand that. But to see them have this much success in that short amount of time, I know they've gone down some classifications, which has helped, but that's an incredible turnaround um, for what they've been able to do. So I texted you about that back several months ago I, I couldn't believe that they were making it as far as they were but it's it's so cool to say no yeah dude I mean to win the 3A state title after they go to state in 2A in in 2020 and then just get it cut short like because of COVID they, they made it to state in 2A and then didn't get the opportunity to play in the semifinal so then That's this year so then this yeah. year in 3A they, they go and dude not only do they go and win the state title but they I mean, th- I, to me, this is just as impressive to go undefeated in the Central State Aid Conference when you have to play everybody twice. Like, you saw how competitive it was with the Chathams, with the Jacksonvilles, with the Lanfears, with the Southeast. Dude, it hasn't gotten any easier, and they went undefeated last year. Undefeated that's in the amazing. conference. Yeah, that's amazing. And here's the, here's the thing, too. 3A, oops, that's a legit level of competition. Southeast made it to... A state championship tournament. Lanfear played the Morgan Park team that had Io Desumu. Well, that's who, that's who Southeast lost to the next year in the championship game. Yes, exactly. So and yeah, those those Morgan Park teams were high high level. By the way, state semifinal officiating in Peora, Peoria <laughs> between Morgan Park and Lanfear. Yeah, and I think Yach kind of fouled out officiating that game was <laughs> jump. Yeah. They knew they knew who they wanted in the championship game. There's no question. 
Lanfear on an equal floor could have played with Morgan Park that year, even with a future second round pick in the NBA draft. He's an Illini Knight legend. Yeah. That's how good that Lanfear team was. I thought they got robbed out of a potential state title. Everybody but, thought every no. Everybody thought this year that it would that Simeon was going to play because Simeon was in the Final Four and Metamora beat them in the semifinal. So um, yeah, we're not joking about the names and the, the programs, dude. Like Simeon is Simeon. <laughs> Derek Rose, Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> come on! But my point here is SHG winning the three A state title game. That's impressive. What's what's the coach's name? Tim. Uh, Tim Allen. Yeah. Tim. I never met him, but. Great dude. dude, great dude. Shout out to Tim Allen for an incredible job. I kept I kept in uh, in touch with what SHU was doing this year. For sure, dude. Um, what I kind of want to get into what what's your plans for the future? Like, what do you see as not, not only your trajectory but also I mean, Chat Sports because obviously you're having a great time and it's not like you're looking to leave by any means. But like, what do you see as you know your potential for where you're going, dude? Yeah, Dallas is awesome. You, you get great weather basically year-round, affordability in a huge city, and I wake up to the skyline every day and walk to work every day. What good, I cannot complain. So because of that, I'm not in a rush to go anywhere. We're on a rocket ship with Chat Sports. We're growing like crazy. We more than doubled staff in the year plus that I'm there. Wow. We're doing so well, so well. So I love it here. Absolutely love it here. Now, I've always had visions of wanting to be, and this has come more into focus maybe the last couple of years, but I'd love to be a Colin Cowherd, a Scott Van Pelt, a Bill Simmons, somebody like that on that type of platform where you have an opportunity to make millions of dollars per year and talk about professional sports and have conversations with some of the premier coaches and players in the industry and have a national global platform like that both on the radio tv and digitally um so that's what i want to become down the road is and that's what i'm striving every day to be is to put myself in a position where someday i can be that if it's with chat sports that's awesome yeah continue this i think that we can get to that point i honestly do if it's you know a fox sports espn uh we'll that, that'd be cool too but also digital platforms man you can really do anything anywhere as we've seen with companies and then individuals profiting off digital platforms whether it be podcast or YouTube yeah dude uh, because I think like you said the, the dream for you especially like coming out of college when you did ESPN was was the mothership it was the king um, and I, I don't really feel like that's the case anymore. Like, I get that it is what it is, and don't, don't get me wrong, no disrespect to Scott Van Pelt by any means, because you mentioned him, and dude, he's the GOAT, there's no question about that. But dude, like you mentioned, with, with Bill Simmons starting the ringer and doing that, like dude, that's where everything's going, and that's where that's where I think you see with Chad Sports, like dude, that's the opportunity. Like, you stick with that, and, and you ride it out and do your thing, like, you're going to get the same opportunities and, and continue to grow that audience. Yeah, through Instagram, through Twitter, through YouTube, through digital platforms, Cameo. You grow your platform to a certain level, and you can start profiting in a in a really nice way. You know, when I was coming up, it was ESPN, and then maybe Fox Sports, NBC Sports, something like that. But that has certainly waned over time with the rise in digital platform. There's just so many options, dude. Like, yeah, and I don't, I don't know, you know. I think ESPN has gone a little bit political. We won't go down that road, but that, that's made it uh, cringeworthy at times 
just because I, I, I consider myself to be an open-minded person who's a free thinker and think, I, I, you know, I think that people should be able to voice their opinions. I mean, shoot, I voice my opinions every day with my job, and that's why I love it. Now I'm talking about sports. But either way, yeah, with the rise of digital platforms, bar stool, places like that, you never know what, what, could, what could be the next step. Um, I kind of want to wrap it up with this and give you the opportunity and the platform um, to kind of discuss this a little bit because I don't know where you want to go with it, but whatever you want to do is fine. Um, a couple months ago, I had the opportunity to have Kelly Graves on um, to talk about the the athletic mindset and the, the mental health of, of athletes and of people in the sports world because I don't feel like it's talked about enough and I feel like you've, you're certainly one that can have that conversation um, in terms of your physical health, in terms of uh, your mental health, dude, I know you've been through a lot of stuff. So how important is it to get your mind right in terms of, you know, not necessarily sports, but dude, just every everyday life? Because I, I just feel like you're a great person to talk to about that because I know that you're willing to talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that question, too, because... I've found that talking about these things has helped me out just tremendously. It's a venting session. I found that people are willing to listen and and the best friends out there, which I consider you to be, can provide assistance and help lead you, you know, down a, a positive path just with feedback and stuff like that. And also, weirdly enough, I've found a lot of people have been inspired by my story and then my willingness to just be open about it and look it's not for attention or anything it's because that is what has helped me is be open about it be because it it it, it serves as a therapeutic outlet and if other people want to keep their emotions in that's fine but i found when i kept my emotions in that's when i wasn't at my best and that's when i was just in a really dark spot so i lost my mom in 2017 of cancer or 2018 sorry um 2017 is when i left 1450 Mm -hmm. so i lost my mom in july of 2018 because of cancer and it was very unexpected now she had beaten cancer once and then it came back cervical cancer and it was a quick and fast spiral downward where it went from me thinking that my mom was on the comeback of beating cancer for a second time to in the span of a couple of days I had to fly down to Florida actually day of because you know the the doctors told me that I will I might not see my mom before she passes away it was that quick of a deterioration which is just the brutal aspect of cancer and in my opinion the overdoing of medicine but either way mom passes away I watched her pass away I was there to exchange final words and have tears and hugs and kisses and you know, rubber feet as she passed away, and it was an incredibly powerful moment. But also, when you see your parent die, and then I saw my mom in a body bag, like that caused a lot of emotional scarring. And the overall loss of her was very, very difficult to the point where I was in just a terrible spot. One, it was shocking of how fast it happened. Two, it's my mom who gave birth to me. Three, you know, we had really developed an amazing relationship over the last several years of our lives. Great. But I certainly had some childhood challenges growing up that no regrets there. I mean, it shaped me into who I am. But when you lose a parent like that, it's a huge loss. And I was depressed. I had you know, pretty bad anxiety. 
I hated my job. I hated where I was living. And, you know, I got to a point where I was in such a dark mental spot where I never thought about anything suicidal, but I definitely had thoughts of, hey, if I were to die, like, what would happen? Would I be okay with it? Who would show up to my funeral? What would people say about me? And that's a pretty crazy place to be in when you're as aspirational and hardworking and driven as I am and have the passion for life that I that I have. But I, I lost my passion of life during that time. And over time, you know, they say time heals all wounds. I don't think that's true. I don't think you ever get over the loss of a parent. But if you take the necessary steps to try to reverse you being in such a dark spot and go through some types of levels of therapy and do the necessary things to try to bring you out of that rut, then you can turn it around. So for me, you know, I started like a fitness journey when I was in Springfield. I was like 220 pounds my final year of college. And in Springfield, I started working out a lot, running, playing basketball, working out, lifting. And I got down to like 290. Or, oh, sorry, one night. I was about to say, was dude, no that, way. <laughs> I've always been bad at math, so I'm bad at numbers. So I get down to like 190. And what I found is like, man, this really helps me. Now, this is before my mom passed away. But then after my mom passed away, as I continued this like fitness journey, I started to get more and more into it. And then I also have always been trying to find reasons for why my healthy mom passed away because of cancer and I've eliminated, you know, fast food from my diet. I don't use products with chemicals. I live a very clean, healthy lifestyle where I eat like organic foods and I cook for myself and I eat extremely healthy. And part of that has stemmed and been a benefit from losing my mom. And then with that has come like the big physical journey. I've run every single day of June. I'm going to run, you know, more than 100 miles this month. I ran a 10K back a couple months ago. And like losing somebody, I turned to fitness. I turned my focus towards stuff like that. And then the overall physical nature of it just is a stress reliever. It's a mental clearer. And then you start to see results. You start feeling good about yourself. So I, I do that. And that's a huge part of my life. And that's helped me turn my life around. And then I also do a meditation almost every single morning which has really been beneficial and honestly like those are the two things that I've done personally for myself to help me turn it around mentally and physically and you know I have some inspirations out there of some guys who are just really mentally tough and I've gone through so many things that you know I've read these stories and seen these motivational speeches and read these inspirational books and I'm like okay all of these people dealt with adversity and challenges just like I have and they've turned out to be the successful business person that they are, successful on-air person, successful ultra-marathon runner, or whatever. And they've overcome these things. they become mentally tough in doing so. So I want to try to model myself after those types of people. And it's helped me. All of this has helped me in every facet of life, personally, uh, professionally, moving forward, you know, my mental clarity, my mental toughness, my physical, uh, you know, my, my physical wellness, um, all of that stuff has taken a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of sacrifices. And, you know, sometimes it's not fun, but like if that puts me in a position to, to be in a better spot as a person, as a man, as a friend, as a boyfriend, as a son, as a brother, um, as a, as a on-air personality, like, you know, then that's what I got to do. And, uh, it's not easy to go through all of that, but you know, I think it's good to like 
talk about these things because without doing so, you're going to continue down that tricky, narrow path that I was on, but you can get yourself out of it. And that's the type of mental healing that I've gone through. And I think that mental health awareness is, is a huge thing nowadays, as well as uh, the importance of, you know, dieting, nutrition, and working out and stuff. I, dude, I think, I mean, you just, you never know what someone's going through. And you can be really good friends with somebody and, and still not understand where they're at mentally. And, you know, as a, like you said, as a person who throws themselves into work, as a person who just grinds, as a person who not is on camera all the time and, and you know, presents that that personality of, you know, being the guy that, that everybody wants to watch. Like, dude, I appreciate you being able to tell that story and, and just share that because you never know if it if it's one kid who listens, if it's one person who listens and says, you know, I've been in that situation or I understand where that's coming from and it and it changes their mind just a little bit, like you said, of of taking that that turn of that thought of who would be at my funeral? Would it matter? Dude, that that's huge. And to me, it doesn't matter how many times we talk about it. It's it's very important to talk about. So, dude, thank you for for sharing that. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate the platform, man. And these things are really important. And let's be real you know this isn't like a this isn't like a braggadocious type of thing but as i continue to grow and have a platform and hopefully continue to succeed professionally if my platform can increase to the point where i can impact and influence and help out more and more people i'm going to do that because i feel as though if you have a purpose in life where you can help other people out and have an influence on them it's a pretty awesome thing to be able to have at your disposal you know i've had some people reach out to me at chat sports and they're like i was in a a mentally tough spot where you know they went through some of the same things that I went through and they're like watching your shows every day have helped me out and I'm like that what <laughs> so you, that's why I take in part you know that's why that's why I take what I do so seriously and, and on top of my passion and carrying all my mom's legacy is, is stuff like that so if the messages help people out you know try to help people out and if you're helping people out you're making a difference which i think we as humans are, are meant to do that in every way that we can throughout our lives i mean just to tie it up and kind of wrap it up i mean you talk about all this stuff that i mean dealing with life and dealing with those type of things but i think that sports not only is an escape but it's it's a help to have the community and have the the understanding of not only the fandom but like you presenting that platform for people all across the country who are 49ers fans or whatever i cannot tell you how happy i was in early april when kansas won the national title because dude i just like you care so much about sports and you don't want to but you do and it just matters and dude that's why we both have jobs and why we both can afford to feed our families is because sports matter so much i was yeah i was with my co-worker who went to kansas he was crying when the, when the jayhawks won the natty i i cried when the eagles won the super bowl uh, it just i've always said this about sports and it goes back to my memory actually of 9-11 so at that point i'm nine years old but i had already been obsessed with sports i remember michael jordan the end of his tenure with the bulls and then Allen iverson early with the sixers and the Eagles had great years with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb to form my childhood Phillies, Flyers, whatever. Let's go somewhere. <laughs> but um, I remember 9-11 happened, and I remember my mom gets me out of school. She tells me that the World Trade Centers have been hit. 
I remember we had a perfectly nice day of recess, beautiful blue skies, and recess got called off. And we're like, why is recess getting canceled when it's one of the nicest days of the year? Yeah, dude, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, principal comes over the loudspeaker and says that. My mom picks me up, shows me on a big box TV once we get home after she told me that the World Trade Centers have been hit. And I find out what the World Trade Centers are, and then I see a couple of planes going into both buildings. And after that, there were no sports for about a week, week and a half. And I was like, wow, things must be really serious within our country if there are no sports being played. I've never seen this. This is unprecedented. There's always sports on. Yeah. And this means when sports come back, the emotion that there was among the players, coaches, managers, and fans was absolutely incredible. It was the therapeutic outlet that everybody needed because it distracted us from the heartbreaking events that transpired throughout 9-11 and I saw the impact that sports had on people regardless of race sex political preference background whatever it brought people together and that's what sports does alongside like music and food for me which is why those are all areas of interest for me because they just bring people together in a way that nothing else can, regardless of where anybody comes from, what their story is, or what their background is. If I'm a Kansas fan with you, we're hugging it out, we're crying, we're celebrating the championship. If I'm at a Niners game, a Phillies game, an Eagles game, we're hugging each other. I don't care who you are. We're celebrating together, whether you're white, black, yellow, purple, red, green, whatever. You know, and that's the impact that sports has on people. And that's why our jobs are somewhat impactful and important because we cover something that people care about that brings people together. And then we get to tell incredibly inspiring stories. Bro, I've kept you for plenty of time, so I appreciate it. We'll wrap it up here, dude. Uh, thank you. Thank you for everything. I, I, I appreciate it so much. Um, we could talk all night if we wanted to, but people probably wouldn't listen. So we'll, we'll just end it here. We'll put it that way. It was awesome talking with you. Allowed us to, at least me, to drink a couple beers and take a shot of whiskey. And I know you've got some whiskey in the glass there, too. So hope everybody enjoyed it. My pleasure, man. So good to connect again and talk about all this. Thanks to Chase for taking the time. That was a ton of fun to catch up, have a few drinks with my guy, and talk shop. Thanks to Northwestern Mutual for being the sponsor. And thank you all for listening. I'll be back next week. Or maybe we'll take a couple weeks off. Either way, stay locked into Channel 1450. Thanks again. I'll see you soon.